Hi, this is Amanda. And this is Lindsay. We're True Creeps. Where the stories are true. And the creeps are real. We'll cover stories from grotesque gore. To the possibly plausible paranormal. To horrifying history. To tense and terrible true crime. And everything else that goes bump in the night. We want you to join us while we creep. We cover mature topics. Listener discretion is advised. Hey, everybody. Welcome to our Mothman episode. Well, actually, our first Mothman episode. (laughs) Yeah, be specific. Yes, yes, because it started with one Mothman, and then there's just too much for one. And this is also our 100th episode, so woohoo! I can't believe it's been that many. I feel like we've only been doing it for a couple months, but it's almost two years. Yeah, I haven't gone back and listened to any of our original episodes, but I have a feeling if I did, it would like physically hurt, you know? Yeah. Like, because <laughs> we've gotten better at editing and we've gotten better at like being near-ish the mic more often. Right. I say we, it's really me. I just can't sit still. And so I think that honestly, I'm probably exactly the same. I'm still wiggling and squeaking <laughs> in my chair the entire time. You know what? Our editing got better. I hope so. That's a feat. That's a feat. Okay, but yeah, so this is our first Mothman episode. Today, we're going to cover origins. And so in future episodes, we'll have other things. It's a surprise. You'll find out when you find out. You will be able to listen to each one independently, though, as whenever we do any type of like series type of thing, because we like standalone episodes. For this particular episode, we have so many sources that if you're listening to this on YouTube, it won't let us put all the sources in the comments. So go to our website, truecreeps.com, and you can just look for like the actual show and look at the show notes there, and that will have all the sources. Today, one of the places that we really relied heavily on was a documentary by Seth Breedlove called The Mothman of Point Pleasant, and really good watch. It was nice because it actually it had interviews with some of the people who had experience. So some of the things that we pulled are from that today, but not everything. And then we're going to dive right into it. But normally, one of the first things we talk about is how cryptid looks. And there are differing descriptions of how the Mothman looks. However, there's really two characteristics that are integral in any Mothman sighting. The first is its glowing red eyes. Beautiful. Stunning. Magnificent. And the second is that he's a human-like figure with big-ass wings. And they're on like the center-ish of its back. So those are our two starting points. But even then, some people, like, they talk about, like, the differing glow. Like, there's varied accounts of that. So that's all you need to be a Mothman is glowing red eyes and big wings. Yeah. It's a low bar. And uh, from what I understand, he travels. Oh, he oh he travels. <laughs> like the Blair Witch. Oh, he's <laughs> a traveling. Today, we're just talking about West Virginia, but we're going to talk about so many places. Oh, yeah. So let's talk about the history first. So to begin the story of Mothman origins, we have to first tell you about Point Pleasant. So it's a town of just a few thousand people located in West Virginia, and it nearly borders Ohio. So the town is just three miles, and it has one single hotel that's been operating for decades. So itty bitty. Yeah. Various manufacturers have plants there that have come and gone. And from 1942 to 1945, there was a massive munitions plant. The specific area became known as the TNT area. And we also talked about this in our Sheep Squatch episode recently. (laughs) Sheep Squatch. It's just saying it makes me laugh. It's so dumb. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's also saying the word Sheep Squatch. I'm sorry, Sheep Squatch. I can't take you seriously. Yeah. So after the munitions plant shut down, the area became a dumping ground for toxic waste and chemicals. Horrific. Terrible. 
Yeah. Years later, the property was donated to the state of West Virginia, and it became the McClintic Wildlife Management Area. It's toxic and horrible. Let's give it to you guys. Yeah. This is for creatures. Yeah. So most of the stories occurred when it was still the TNT area, and so that's what we'll continue to call it. The story of the Mothman is entwined with Point Pleasant, and the town celebrates their cryptid. We'll touch on that at the end of the episode, but it's pretty exciting. Yeah. The creature got its name from the media. Batman was super popular at the time, so the press dubbed the creature Mothman. But of course they would. But of course. Why not? It's nice. It's a good name. Yeah. It's no sheep squatch. It's no sheep squatch. I mean, Mothman, though. I'm patting my heart. So before we get into it, just as a note, we're not going to talk about every single Mothman sighting in Point Pleasant in West Virginia today, because that would simply be days and days and days of an episode. There are so many sightings. So what we're going to do is we're going to share some of them, the ones that we found particularly interesting, as well as the ones that are kind of timeline markers, if you will. So the first Mothman sighting, most people think that it was in 1966, but the first sighting was actually in 1914. And from 1914 and going into the 1940s, people who were driving near the Ohio River kept spotting a creature and they would describe him as looking like a large bird with red feathers. Interesting. Having the head of a man, having a 12 foot wingspan. So in 1966, the sightings of the Mothman really ramped up and he was seen by, in addition to just ordinary folks, National Guardsmen, firemen, police officers, and grave diggers were also reporting sightings. Quite the varied occupations. Oh, yes. But one of the most infamous sightings is from two couples who were out on a drive near the TNT area. And their names were Roger and Linda Scarberry and Steve and Mary Millette. While driving, they noticed that there was a six-foot-tall creature in the road. After they stopped, it started running, awkwardly, towards the power plant. It's like, I gotta get home. <laughs> <laughs> it was shaped similarly to a human, but with shiny red eyes. Some think the appearance of the red eyes may be eye shine. I think of like a cat, right? Mm -hmm. And this is typically found in nocturnal creatures. Linda said its eyes look like that because of the headlights. They didn't glow before the lights were on them. So, again, I think of just, yeah, like a cat or something when you've seen them in the road at night mm -hmm. while they're stealing your jam. Always. So there is no distinction between its head and its neck. And it makes a loud squeaking sound. I feel like I can't even say this with a straight face. Yeah, it's just such like a bizarre, <laughs> just kind of like grab bag of descriptions. Yeah, I wish I could hear its squeaky sound. Yeah. So they were freaked out, as they should be, and they started to drive away in their car. They got the car up to 100 miles per hour. Don't recommend doing that at night. Mm -hmm. However, the creature was following them, and it was keeping up with their speed. Terrifying, like this thing going over 100 miles an hour towards you. Yes. So that's when they realized that it had large wings, and it flew silently and follow them into Point Pleasant. They told Sheriff Halstead that it followed them into the Point Pleasant city limits. So I'm sure he was like, oh, gosh. Yeah. Could you imagine like being the person to receive that information? Like, great. I have to go look for this. Yeah. And as a note, this happened on November 15th of 1966. And while they were traveling back into town, they saw a dog laying by the side of the road. And they actually ended up turning around to see if the dog was still there. But when they came back, it was gone. It's going to be relevant in a moment, I promise. So the same night, Neil Partridge, who lived in Salem, which was about 90 minutes from Point Pleasant driving, was watching TV. It was around 1030 and the screen went dark on his television. And then there was a weird pattern on the screen. Other versions of the story say that the TV blew out and then he could hear a very 
strange, loud, wine-like sound that was like ramping up in volume. He said it sounded almost like a generator when it was like winding up. Okay. My only reference for that was like when Ben is playing Dead by Daylight and I can like, he has the volume on is the sound that that makes me think of. (laughs) Identical. Identical, clearly. So Partridge said that his dog, Bandit, then started to howl at the front door. So he and Bandit went outside with a flashlight. Bandit then was facing their hay barn. So Partridge basically like followed his gaze with the flashlight. And when Partridge shined his light where the dog was looking, he said that there were two red circles that kind of looked like bicycle reflectors. And in other versions of this story, they weren't necessarily like two red orbs staring at him. They were just two balls of light that were kind of moving around. So they didn't look necessarily like eyes. And so he got freaked out and Bandit went running towards the red circles. So Partridge called out to Bandit, but Bandit wouldn't stop running towards the barn. I've seen two different versions of what happens next. So either one, Partridge ran inside to get his gun, but he was too scared to go back outside. Or two, he just went inside and was like, I am done. I'm not out here anymore. Enough. And so either way, I've seen that he had slept with a gun next to his bed. Ugh. Always trust your dog. They know. I would not be sleeping that night. Uh, No. No. Or Bandit. So on November 16th of 1966, Sheriff Halstead held a press conference. He said that he had known the couples his entire life and he didn't doubt what they had seen. That's a tricky situation, like having to vouch for something so wild. Yeah. They were also giving the same story, so it seemed pretty credible. I mean, that's a lot of people, you know, to give the same story. Partridge read the sighting in Point Pleasant in the newspaper the next morning and felt super creeped out. When he read that they saw a dog, he was worried about Bandit. Bandit was never seen again. I hate this. That makes my heart really sad. Yeah. I don't know how someone could go inside and leave their dog. Mm -mm. Right? Like, I don't care what it is. I'd be following my dog anywhere. There's a new Predator movie and the entire time I'm distressed about the dog. Just the whole time. Does the dog die.com is where I go before I see a movie. I understand. I also feel like a lot of movies aren't killing dogs off anymore because they're like, this is a very easy way to get people to just hate your movie. Or not see it. Me. I will not see it. I refuse. Yeah. Yeah. So by the end of November, the story was being covered by national newspapers. People started coming to the TNT area in droves to try to see or kill the Mothman. That would not be my first inclination. No, it kind of reminds me of like mermaids, right? Where they're like, something's happening and everyone's like, I gotta kill it or find it. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So lots of people brought weapons with them, which a little scary. There were so many that the National Guard had to step in to stop people from backing up the roads and combing the forest for the creature. And I would just imagine that this would be like, this situation is like ripe for an accidental shooting because like there's all of these people who are like hyped up. They're looking for a strange creature. You're in all black. You look strange. Somebody gets like, you know, yeah. your glasses get a reflection of light. Somebody's fires. I could see this ending very badly <laughs> with all these people like in the woods with weapons. Yes, absolutely. So the next sighting we have is from Marcella Bennett. On the night of her sighting, Marcella was visiting her brother and she was getting ready to leave. And as she was walking out, her brother kept being like, look over there look over there, like look to the side. There's something weird in the sky. And she's just like not paying him any mind. She's carrying her three-year-old daughter to the car. She's like getting ready to leave. She's purpose driven. And he keeps being like, look to the side, look to the side. And she doesn't. So she's reaching for the door handle of her car. And then she sees a figure. And she said she started at the feet and kind of like looked up as it's like to take it in. And then it was all grayish. She said she kept looking up and up and up because it was tall. It had wings like a bird. And so she's like taking it in. And then she starts to run towards the house. 
but she starts to like stumble. So she falls and she basically falls on her three-year-old daughter. Like she's like, her body is on top of her and she just feels like frozen and her daughter's like screaming and crying. And so her brother is screaming at Marcella, like, get up, hurry up, come on. So they get into the house as fast as they can. And the creature follows them up onto the porch and then starts looking into windows. Yikes. Yeah. So they call the police, but then the creature was gone before the police got there. After the incident, Marcella had nightmares for years and suffered from anxiety. She also thought the creature had come to her own home because she often heard weird sounds like the sounds of a screaming woman. And she lived on the edge of Point Pleasant and it was relatively isolated where she was. But I think what gets me about this story and this sighting, because it's not going to be the first time we hear about this, is that it was looking in the windows. And we'll talk about some theories of what it is. But to me, that sounds distinctly like a sentient being looking for a human, not like an animal. Yeah. And it's that behavior that really, I think, gets me the most is like it's looking back at you. You're not just seeing it. It's like engaged in the sightings, which we so often don't hear about encrypted stories, right? It's like, oh, it was on the roof of my house screaming or it was knocking tree branches down and I saw it. It was running through the woods. It was drinking water. But it's never like looking back at you. Right. Or like continuing once you put a barrier between you and it. Yes. So the next sighting is from Bob Bosworth and his friend from November of 1966. Bob and his friend were riding their motorcycles through the TNT area. The moon was bright, so they turned the headlights off of the motorcycles. Don't recommend that either. Mm -mm. As they drove by the power plant, they saw that on the top of a three-story building, there were glowing red eyes. So, of course, they're like, let's go see it. (laughs) As they looked up at the entrance, the eyes were looking back down. The pair went into the building, which was illuminated by the moonlight, and they made out an outline of something in the dark. The creature slowly and purposefully walked towards them. It was walking near them, but it also stayed in the dark. So again, I imagine they only really saw the outline. They did not see the red eyes then. There was no light for the eyes to reflect from. So as we said before, like they thought headlights and things like that. And according to them, it tapered its head like a robin would. And also like how their wings look and how they fold. It had a large head on its shoulders. And next, it turned towards the catwalk without hesitation. They then heard what sounded like wings flapping. No, thank you. I also wouldn't have gone into that building. I wouldn't have been like, no, looks like eyes over there. Let me go investigate. And also like just going into a power plant at night, you're probably not supposed to be there either way. I'd be worried about like trespassing or guards or anything like that. But they're just like, oh, weird creature. Let's go pet it. Yeah. Okay. Maybe I'm wrong. I would probably pet weird creatures. I mean, I probably would, but I don't think I would go into a building that was illuminated only by moonlight without a flashlight. So in November still of 1966, on November 18th, Paul Yoder and Benjamin Enoch were firefighters who had been assigned to the TNT area to assist with all of the traffic because, again, people are just coming out. And it's 1.39 in the morning and they see a big white shadow cross their car and they were driving. So they stopped to search and they couldn't find what they had seen anywhere. But they both are very adamant that it was a big bird, likely an owl. I wonder what like a white shadow looks like. It was a strange description. Yeah. So the next one is from Faye Dewitt Laporte. Faye and her siblings went to the TNT area and they were driving. Her brothers kept giving her just a weird look. And then one of them says, quote, don't look, but there's something beside the window, which if you're driving, that's horrific. Yes. 
So it was pretty dark when they were driving, so she couldn't tell if it was flying or running by the car. Her brother sped up, but he couldn't get rid of it. He turned into the power plant area in a sharp left turn, and the creature was still right behind her window. They came to another turn and her brother stopped. The creature then jumped on the hood of the car, looking between her and her brother who was driving. Two of her siblings were in the back of the car crying. Then it got back down off of the car, ran into the power plant, and jumped up like three to four stories. She said that it jumped because she couldn't see its wings. One of her brothers got out and started throwing coal at it. Again, like, why go after it? Like, it was just being weird. You just get out of there. Silly. So they almost hit it. And then it's like, no, thank you. And jumped back down at them. Her brother then jumped back into the car and it came down and unfurled gorgeous wings. They weren't flapping like a bird's wings would, but he just kind of more like glided into the air and then flew away. Interesting. Interesting. Just weird. Like people's choices are so strange. Well, and so now we have red feathers, flapping wings like a bird, gliding wings, which are not like a bird. So we're really varying. And so our next sighting is from Lawrence Gray, who lived on Jefferson Avenue with his wife. He was just 19. And in his bedroom, there was a window to the left. And he was facing that window. And he saw that there was a car like crossing. He was just looking out and it was nighttime. And he turned his head to see that there was a creature standing by his bed. When he tells the story, he talks about how he thought it was the devil because he was so filled with dread and because he could feel that it was 100% evil. He said that it was six feet tall and he describes it as a dirty lunar color, which I feel like is a fancy way of saying gray. And this is the only time I saw this particular facet was he said it looked like it was wearing a solid gray robe with seams down the sides. It had red eyes. That's a lot of detail. Yes. Yes. So he um, was very religious. And so he said that he pled the blood of Christ in his mind. So like what that makes me think of is like what you say during an exorcism, the body of Christ compels you. And so he then said it kind of evaporated slowly. Creepy. And so during this interview, he was 74 and he was like, I remember this like it happened just now. Like it's so burned in my mind. Oh, wow. So going back to Linda Scarberry, who we talked about in the beginning as one of like the most infamous stories, she was in the car in 1966 where it was two couples. She claims to have seen the Mothman over 18 times, including seeing it hanging outside of her home. And she said that at one point she had watched it through a window and that it seemed sad and lonely, which I'm like, oh, oh, I don't like that. And so we're going to talk again about a person who has multiple Mothman sightings. And I do wonder if it was Linda who reported this. But so there are countless sightings of Mothman, some of which are reported to law enforcement and some of which weren't. And so interesting. Right. Right. And one of them is from Connie Carpenter, and it's from November 27th of 1966 from around 1130 a.m. And she was coming home from church and she saw a figure near a deserted golf course. She thought it was a man, but then she saw the wings and it was around 10 feet tall. It flew up and swooped towards her car. It also had, of course, glowing red eyes. Once its eyes were fixed on her, she couldn't take her eyes off of it. Soon after, she gets conjunctivitis. She didn't speak publicly about her experience. So her aunt, Mary Heyer, was a reporter. So she tried to look for answers. She ended up cataloging the weirdness in Point Pleasant and the sightings. So she also decided to take it upon herself to look for the mysterious creature. She worked extensively with John Keel, who would eventually write the Mothman prophecies. So I would say probably the most famous 
Yes, yeah. And that's actually what the movie is based off of with Richard Gere. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about John Keel then. So he was from New York City and he came to Point Pleasant after the initial sightings. And he often would talk directly to people who had seen the Mothman. So he wasn't collecting like third-hand stories. He was trying to get to the original person who actually said that they had seen, felt, heard something. And so he would also go to the TNT area and the power plant specifically with some witnesses to see if they could find him. And that includes the Scarberries and Connie Carpenter. At one point, they went to the old power plant to look around and they split up. And Connie said that she saw the creature and freaked out understandable Mm -hmm. and so interestingly and we're going to get into some more weirdness in a minute about this time that isn't specifically mothman but it's also not not mothman but while john keel was in point pleasant some weird stuff began to happen to him after that for example his mail began to be intercepted so it was like clear it had been opened okay he felt like he was being followed and his phone calls were being monitored don't look any of that Okay, I feel like that's a interesting conspiracy thing. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it gets a little bit conspiracy theory but I understand why. Yeah. Especially because we have so many varied accounts from people where they're able to, like, get to the person who actually said the thing. It's not just, you know, pseudo-like names and stuff like that where we're kind of like, mm, if we make it sound like a real name, it sounds like a real story. They're actually, like, finding the people who saw the things. Right. It's not, my neighbor... Their friend saw this, and I trust my neighbor. Yeah. So the reports of what Mothman is doing fall into a few different categories. The first category is flying in a gliding type way, so not quite like a bird, uh, but it's typically in the sky or near the TNT area near cars. Second category is perching in trees or tall places. Okay, okay. And the third is peeping in people's fucking windows. Like, could you even imagine just like you're like eating dinner, you look outside and the mothman is like looking back in at you. He's like, hey. Even if it was just like an ordinary ass like animal, I would be highly fucking weirded out if something was watching me through a window. It doesn't matter what it is. Agreed. Agreed. So a couple other descriptions of mothman included interesting characteristics like witnesses had a sense of dread which isn't typical like when you see something weird right yeah for me it's not like fear i think fear and dread are two different things right same i'm scared of this weird thing is different than i'm trying to describe the difference between fear and dread i feel like dread is um more complex yeah it's more complex you feel it deeper you're like it's this like unknowing that's paired with it and this like sense of imminent danger yeah Agreed. Another characteristic <laughs> is a quote-unquote funny little face. <laughs> Do you like my pre-laughing? Because I know what you're about to say <laughs> in our outline. I mean, when you think too, like, I mean, some people say it has like a person's head and then others are like this weird little face. And I'm like, have you ever seen a moth's face up close? It's a funny little face. That's what I think of. Yeah, like funny little face. So <laughs> the other one is no head, but shining red <laughs> eyes near the top of its body. Gorgeous. Stunning. So again, we're still in 1966. It was a rough year. It was a rough year. So during this year, there were also numerous UFO sightings and interactions being reported to police and news stations. And so when I say numerous, I mean like dozens maybe a hundred, maybe more than that, like a lot. And it's different people. It's not people saying like the same one over and over again. So on November 2nd of 1966, Woodrow Derenberger said that he was accosted when he was driving on Highway 77 when he was driving from Parkersburg, West Virginia. He said that a UFO landed near his car 
And so we had to stop. And so the UFO then telepathically communicated with him and referred to himself as Andrew Cole. There was then national attention when he spoke to news reporters. And there was also two other men who were driving in that same area and said that they had an encounter with a grinning man. And it was on that same night. That makes me unsettled. Uncomfortable. Yes. (laughs) Yes. And so people began to report seeing UFOs above the power plant as well. So on January 22nd of 1967, less than 100 miles south of Point Pleasant, Tad Jones saw a UFO land. And not surprisingly, he told people what he saw, right? Yeah, fair. And so he wakes up one morning and he finds a note slid under his door. And it says, we know what you have seen and we know that you have talked. You had better keep your mouth shut. Oh. I don't like that. And who is sending this note? Right. It's not the UFO. Okay. Okay. So we got UFOs, weird creature, and they all love this particular power plant. They're just like, this fucking power plant is what's up. Mm-hmm. So let's make it get even more weird. People started seeing men in black around town. <laughs> That's all I can do, I think, for not getting in like yeah, serious yeah. trouble. Yeah. But I love it. Well, I love the movie, but I don't love what we're going to talk about in a moment because it makes me uncomfortable. Exactly. Exactly. So around town, people started seeing people dressed in black with fedora hats, driving black sedans. Don't like don't like it at all. And then to top it off, to make it even more creepy, their behavior was described as unearthly and unusual. I don't like that. And they had told various people that they were from different government agencies. So like, that makes it more uncomfortable to me. The fact that they're not all saying like, oh, we're from, I don't know, insert like Department of Defense, right? Like they're like, I'm from here and somebody else's are from a different place. And it's like, even if this was true, why are you here? Exactly. Exactly. Mary Hyrie, who we talked about before said that she had an encounter with the men in black. And they were asking witnesses why they were telling everyone what they saw and told them they were causing, you know, panic because of them seeing something strange. Witnesses said that they came to their house. So they're like seeking these people out. A woman was getting her mail when a man in black tried to drag her into his car. She got away, but he actually ripped her dress. Can you even fucking imagine? So they're like attacking people. Yeah. No, thank you. So. In 1967, the Silver Bridge collapses. And years later, people begin to theorize that the Mothman sightings were a warning or a bad omen of a disaster that was imminent. And part of that reason is because the sightings die down immediately after. The Silver Bridge collapse of 1967 was pretty catastrophic. To start, we're going to talk a little bit about the bridge, and then we'll talk about what happened. So the bridge was available for traffic starting Memorial Day weekend of 1928, and the Silver Bridge connected Ohio to Point Pleasant. So it was right over the Ohio River. Yeah. And interestingly, this was the first bridge to use I-bar link suspension rather than traditional wire suspension. And so from what I understand, wire suspension is wires and I-bars. It's kind of like... I want you to think of a circle and then a flat rectangle that comes off of that circle. In the center of that circle, there's a hole. Okay. And there's several of them together. And those are like nested together to hold things up as opposed to wires. Okay. Right. So think kind of like knuckles. That's how I kind of like feel it. Can I tell you, you sound just like a bridge scientist right now. 
thinks. I watched a lot of bridge videos so that I could have some understanding of what I was talking about because I was like, what is this? I was like watching a video where they were talking about like, this is more important than this. And this type of steel was great for this because I was like a little bit floored because we're going to talk about it in a second. But the way that the bridge collapses, it's so sudden that I was like, I don't understand how that happened that quickly because when I picture a bridge collapse, I imagine that it's like, it's not that it's slow, but that it's not instant. And oftentimes when you see it in movies, it happens little pieces at a time. Yes. Little chunks kind of like fall into the water beneath or the land beneath. Mm -hmm. And it's not just like this whole thing just collapses right away. And so I think the image in my head, I was like, how could this happen? Right. Right. So just a spoiler alert. It's not because of the type of bridge that it is. But so for the first part of its life, this bridge was inspected by its private owner and then the state began to perform inspections. And they inspected the bridge from 1959 up until its collapse. And so there was state inspections in 1959, 1963, 1964, 65. In 65, after an inspection, they completed $30,000 in repairs. And in the summer of 1967, just nine days before the collapse. And I couldn't see why there was three inspections in 1967, but interesting. Right. I wonder, because they had done repairs. What's interesting is they didn't do 1966. Seems like they were doing it almost every year. And then they're like, "Mm, no, no, thank you. That one's fine. Yeah, I don't know. So what exactly happened to the bridge? The bridge collapsed during rush hour traffic around 5 p.m. on December 15th of 1967. Eyewitnesses to the collapse recalled how quick it was and said it was less than 20 seconds in total. And again, like Lindsay said, when I see it in like movies and stuff, right, it's like little bits at a time. Usually someone's like running across it and they're able to make it because it's little bits at a time. Exactly. So it's interesting. 20 seconds is so quick. First, there was a loud noise and people say it's similar to a gunshot. And the entire suspended portion of the bridge fell into the river. It was 1,460 feet long. That's a long span. And unfortunately, 46 people died. And two of those 46 were never recovered from the river. Horrific. Yeah. And over 30 vehicles fell into the river as well. Only 21 people who were on the bridge survived. And that's a crazy amount of people, right? To even be on the bridge at one time. I mean, rush hour makes sense. Mm -hmm. But just the majority of them died. So people who witnessed the collapse talked about how awful it was. And the town of Point Pleasant as a whole was just traumatized. Which feels pretty fair, especially because it's a town where it's this small. You knew people, Mm -hmm. you know, like, oh, yeah, at least one person, maybe multiple people. So Charlene Wood, who was actually on the bridge on this day at this time, was on her way home from work. And she's one of the survivors. She was just starting to drive on the bridge and she could feel the bridge tremble, which was not unusual. People often were like, this bridge really moves and were like a little bit unsettled by it. But it was just like the way that it, for whatever reason, this bridge moved. And so it's trembling, not bizarre. But then she hears that awful sound and she says it's indescribable. Out of like just pure instinct, she throws her car in reverse and starts backing up so that she's not on the bridge. And so her car stalls out, but luckily it's drifting backwards. And so her car had gotten right on to where the bridge began. So her front two tires tires were hanging over the edge a little bit when the bridge collapsed. Oh. So she was like right on the edge right there. 
Right. Just like a movie, right? Yes. Just like a movie. And there are simulations of how the bridge fell apart because like they understand what happened now, but it's terrifying. And we'll probably post like a link to like the video that we watched because it's a little long, but it does explain like how the bridge worked. And we can tell you like where to look to see the simulation itself. Because again, like you think you see in movies like, oh, like you have a moment, like there's something, but like 20 seconds in, I'm just realizing what's happening. If then, right? Yeah, that's fair. So it makes sense. Like caught everyone by surprise. Mm -hmm. So why? Why did that happen? So one of the eye bars had a defect. So it cracked and began to wear over time. When the eye bar failed, it caused stress to the other parts of the bridge. So the bridge collapsed. The issues that caused the collapse were inaccessible to visual inspection. And they wouldn't have seen it unless the section of bridge was taken apart. That's unsettling to me. Luckily, we don't really have any bridges here. So like, I don't really have experience being on bridges very much, but they don't sound like a good time. I hate bridges. So obviously it wasn't taken apart all the time, right? This wouldn't have been done in the normal course of inspections or repairs to be able to see that piece. In reaction to the Silver Bridge collapse, National Bridge Inspection Standards were enacted by President Johnson. The incident was Again, extremely traumatic for the people in the area. And like Lindsay said, it's probably because everyone knew someone where they either died or just, you know, almost died being on this bridge. The Ohio River was being dragged regularly because they still couldn't find everyone. Yeah, and I couldn't even imagine what it would be like to live in a small town like this and watch this happening over and over and over, waiting to see if there's someone who you know, who you loved, who, you know what I mean? Like that kind of thing and a place where like maybe you went and hung out down by the river before. That's now like a sad scene. Yeah, I was like, that's now like a terrible place. Yeah. So after this, the sightings of Mothman died down in Point Pleasant. And again, some think that it's because the Mothman was a warning of the impending disaster. Others think that the bridge collapse pulled focus and people were just reeling the loss from, you know, the people that they knew and weren't really looking for Mothman at that time. Yeah. Which I feel like either one could have really been it. Or both, you know, like. Or both. So. There were other sightings, and we're going to get into a lot of them in other episodes, but we wanted to touch a little bit on them. In 2016, which I'm like, that was just six years ago. That's very recent. We're not talking about, you know, something that happened 80 years ago anymore. We're now talking about just a few years ago in like the modern era. So in 2016, a man was driving on State Route 2 when he pulled off the road to take some pictures because he saw a creature jumping from tree to tree. He had recently moved to Point Pleasant for work, but he claimed he didn't know about the legend. And Point Pleasant is very small. And I think it would be impossible to live in Point Pleasant and not know about Mothman. One, because it is so part of who they are in that little town, but also because there's like a massive Mothman statue. So like, he would have had to have seen it, you know? Yeah. But so when he was talking to the local news, WCHS TV, he said he didn't want to be interviewed on camera, but he said that his photos were real. And... Amanda, looking at this photo, uh, what does it look like to you? To me, it looks like a butterfly toy taped to a G.I. Joe in a silhouette. Like, the wings are too butterfly-y, and it just, it looks like a toy to me. To me, I think, and this is just probably just because recent movies and stuff, do you know, I mean, you've watched Marvel. It looks like Falcon to me. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. (laughs) Right? It's just like the big wings and like the little legs. Yeah, it kind of does. It kind of does. But like, it certainly doesn't look like what people have described. I mean, I don't remember people talking about it's like 
legs before. We'll share this this photo though. I'm just fascinated by it. It really reminds me of the little video of the Jersey Devil where it's like clearly like a stuffed animal being like pointed at the sky. <laughs> I love that video. It's the best. Which also, speaking of Jersey Devil and Mothman, my husband has tattoos of both of them and I'm so jealous and I'm so sad that he got them first because I'm going <laughs> to get a Mothman tattoo. I'm just going to do different colors. He has like, his Mothman is colored kind of like a death moth for silence of the lambs mine i want jewel tones Mm -hmm. but he also got a jersey devil and it's so cute it is really cute but my first cryptid tattoo is gonna be the loveland frog man oh my god (laughs) so hyped about it wonderful wonderful can you please get sheep squatch next to it no i'm not getting sheep squatch on my body that's for you get little sheep squatches as our extra creeps tattoo I don't know how you would do a little one. I don't know. I want it real stupid looking. Like, I feel like you would need to do a big one. However, I feel like we could suggest that to Ben. I think that he would consider a sheep squatch. As long as someone gets a sheep squatch tattooed, I'll feel better. Yeah. So a researcher and writer, Lon Strickler, had been compiling the sightings. And he said, quote, I think they are flesh and blood beings that aren't of this world. Makes me nervous. Right? <laughs> So one woman who reached out to Strickler to share her experiences said her family had numerous run-ins with a flying humanoid who could shapeshift. It's getting more weird. We're going to get real weird in a few minutes. <laughs> Just like carry on, but continue. So the sightings began in 1970 in Chicago. And the most recent was in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee in 2017. Again, too close. The 18 sightings span from Illinois, Indiana, Ohio, West Virginia, North Carolina, and Tennessee. Okay, first off, because I had all of the abbreviations for the states, did it feel like a quiz? It kind of <laughs> did, yeah. I got a little nervous. But you sounded so proud when you got to Tennessee. Uh, so I was like, I was like, this is a quiz. I deal with it because of my work. I deal with a lot of like the state acronyms. But anyway, yeah. what I was going to say is, hmm, 18 sightings. That's also how many Linda Scarberry had. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. 18 is a good number here. Mmm, curious, curious. (laughs) Well, he marks it off. He has like a calendar and he's like, anytime I run in with anyone, I have to visit them 18 more times. Yeah. Until I can like cross them off as my done list. No, 18 and then you're you're done. That's it. Mm -hmm. No more, no less. (laughs) (laughs) He's busy. He is busy. That's why he had to visit so many places is because he had to follow a few people. He wanted to see a lot of faces too. It's also about to get so fucking strange. (laughs) Yes. So she described the creature as having different forms. Hmm. So we have a few forms to tell you about. Form number one, six to seven feet tall. He had a goblin-like face and ears, flexible bat-like wings, dark brown to black in color, red eyes, so at least something repeats, and they almost seemed to glow in the dark. He had long fingers and arms with claw-like feet. Arms and wings were separate unlike a bat and he also had a long pointy tail and in this form he was super fast just in case you were wondering we've got four forms so let's buckle in so our second form was moth-like where the hands and wings were kind of attached and it had long teeth and it was six feet tall do moths have teeth i don't know man no not that i'm aware of especially not long ones they're only, they're only so big Nope, not i have a moth run in that i will tell you about later Oh, we will. But also, just as a note, there is a new moth that's been discovered that looks like Mothman that has like little red eyes at the top, like little red markings <laughs> on the top of its head, like above its wings. Adorable. But so anyway, okay, third form. It's a three foot long bat with red eyes, again, long teeth, 
And it's not faster than the other forms, but it's faster than a human. Okay. And then our last one. I want you to guess which of these just makes me laugh for no reason. It's goblin-like. It has separate arms and wings again. It's gray and black. She's laughing because she read ahead and she knows what it is. It has long teeth, hands with long nails, sharp talons at its feet. And I, I'm laughing not because this is like a pretty horrifying thing to see, but that it's like in her description, it's that it drools. And like, I don't know why that makes... And it drools and it's three and a half feet tall. <laughs> so it's like, what? It's going to get a little stranger too. It has red brown eyes. It has a two foot long tail, which is almost the size of its body. It slows in this form and it lifts itself. This makes when it's spying on people even more unsettling. Oh my god. It's just drooling and like, it's like cleaning its feet. From what she just like was saying, it seemed like it was like bathing itself, but like the combination... I thought of like a cat, like licking itself. Yeah, but like I'm thinking like... We've got, like, long teeth, long nails, drool, a tongue coming out. It's just a lot happening. It is. It's a lot. And one thing that continues through all of it is it always hates dogs. Uh-oh. Bandit. Poor Bandit. Bandit knew. Also, Hallie knew. Tell me about Hallie. What did Hallie know? Hallie's Amanda's dog, by the way. Oh, my gosh. So, yeah, she's my new puppy. New, like, we've had her well, almost a year now. Yeah. But she was outside the other night. And this is during our Mothman research, too. Of course. So, like... All that's been on the brain is Mothman over and over and over again. Yeah. And we've had a lot of monsoons in Arizona, so we've had a lot of crazy bugs coming out lately. So before bed, I'm letting her out. She always goes potty. She comes right back in. She's getting real good. And I open the door and she stops for a moment, just for a quick second, grabs something from our shelf outside and runs inside. Don't like that. Because we've had so many monsoons, things have been falling off the trees and she likes to bring us weird sticks and all kinds of stuff. So I'm like, oh, she brought us a present. Yeah. And so I'm like, all right, what's in your mouth? Puppy. Everything's in her mouth. She opens her mouth and a moth like the size of the inside of my hand flies out into my face. Hold your hand up. What kind of what size hand do you have? It's like the wingspan was pretty big. It was massive. Okay, so hold on, wait. When you say inside of your hand, do you mean... It's like this part, like the palm. Okay, you don't mean like thumb to pinky. You mean this part. No, but I mean, it felt like that when it's in my face. No, it was big. Yeah. And it's like thick. Like you could hear it moving. You, it was like a bird. <laughs> flip, flip, flip. Like, do you hear? Is that what you heard? <laughs> you like my, yeah. my bird my sound? face. <laughs> like, I feel like it glazed my glasses. And I'm just like, what the Do you fuck? mean grazed your glasses? <laughs> it, it like touched them as it flew up to try to kill me. Amanda, you said glazed, like a glazed donut. And I was like, Grace, right. no, it was very stressful, Lindsay. You know how you feel with with your cicadas. Uh, cicadas. I have seventeen years. I'm yeah. good now. No, but now you said glaze, and I was like, "What do you mean it glazed your glasses?" Okay, no, I was worried glasses. it like had some type of fluid go on you. I was like, "Oh God, you would have never heard from me again." <laughs> that would have been it. <laughs> so then the the thing is lost in my house. Great and. Hallie's just jumping around like an idiot. Like, look what I found you. Because she likes to show us things. Yeah, she's a hunter. So she was so proud of herself. And so she catches it one more time and brings it back to me oh, as great. I'm like running away from her. <laughs> and then it's gone. And my husband was like on his way home at that time. So he like walks in <laughs> like out of breath. Like, and I'm like, you're fucking dog. And he's like, what? And she's all happy. And we didn't find it for two days. And then we found it murdered in our kitchen from our cat. I mean, that that's not surprising for cats. I do have a question for you. Are you afraid of butterflies? No, weirdly enough. Like, we've gone, we have a what butterfly. Weirdly enough, butterflies are not scary. Well, like, they're not scary, but like, you know, like something flying at you. 
They're so pretty, though. They are. And I shouldn't be scared of a moth. I think it was more like I did not expect that to be in her mouth. Like she soft mouthed it so much for such a stupid puppy. (laughs) Yeah. She was like holding it like I was like, she must have been holding it very gently in her mouth. She must have just made like a mouth cage for it. Like, uh exactly. And, And Lindsay's met this dog. She is not a soft dog. No, she's not. She's not. And she isn't like, I'm trying to phrase this nicely. She doesn't discriminate when it comes to what she's putting in her mouth. She's just like, put it in my mouth and swallow. Yeah. That's bad out of context. But while we, like, the one of the nights when we were there, like, we went out. And, like, Amanda very rarely goes out, like, and is out in the world having a night out, right? How long had it been when we had been there? Uh, like, 20 minutes, if that. We got to the place. Yes. And her dog had like, the babysitter had like, they were doing a little science experiment with her son and it made gummy bugs, but not the edible kind, like the not edible kind, like kind of like the creepy crawlers if you're a millennial. Yeah. Um, But like softer, right? And she eats that. And so then we're all, we're like, is she going to die? Is she going to die from this? And we're like, well, chances are kids probably try to eat that all the time, right? Like, it looks like food. But, like, she was like, this sounds good. I'll eat this thing off of this container that's like, could not taste good. So the fact that she was just, as you described it, soft-mouthing this moth, gently enough so it could live for the cat to kill it. Wild. Yeah. And it fly into my face. Yeah. No. I was like, Lindsay, Mothman is inside my house right now. Yeah. It was. It was a good moment. I think I've posted Hallie before. I'll post her again. She is a cute puppy, and that's what keeps her alive. Yeah. She's a sweet baby. (laughs) She's trying. She's getting so much better. Okay, so back to this Mothman, not the Mothman that's dead in my kitchen. Well, I mean, it was dead in my kitchen. Was dead. (laughs) (laughs) It wasn't removed. It's not like I left the carcass in my kitchen. (laughs) No, I was like, it's not dead anymore. (laughs) I mean, I saw another one outside last night and i was like i will not be attending the outside for the next three to five nights i will not be attending the outside okay okay (laughs) monsoons are no joke here okay you're selling arizona no 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 don't come here under any circumstance it's the worst all right so let's get back to miss i saw mothman 18 times she has seen it in various places including outside different homes that she's lived in so he's like oh we move in yeah, don't like it. It typically perches up high so you can't see it. And it hides in the shadows, so it knows how to be mysterious. Mm-hmm. It has an unforgettable musty moss-like scent. Again, sheep squatch. Oh, uh, yeah, I was like, it makes me think of sheep squatch because they were like, it smells. It makes a loud screech in all forms. So we talked about a bunch of forms. In all forms, it can screech. When she was 10, she was visiting her cousins and they went fishing off the shore of Lake Michigan. They did not see Fish Boy, but they did catch a fish. They cleaned the fish to remove the scales and fish head before bringing it back. Fish head, fish head, rolly poly fish heads. Fish heads. Gonna continue fish forever. Heads. Eat them up. Yum. <laughs> So when they were leaving, the creature flew down and gobbled up the remains of the fish. (laughs) Yum. (laughs) I was going to say what it was. (laughs) Maybe I should just to let you. Yes, you should. Always. So. All right. Let's go back then. Before they were leaving, the creature flew down and gobbled up the remains, including the fish head. Fish head. Fish head. (laughs) Fish head. Fish head. Fish head. Eat them up. Mothman. Yum. He loves them. He says, yum. <laughs> that's that's part of the screech. Mm-hmm. So her cousin told her that if you give back to the creature, it won't bother you. Okay. Okay. That makes sense, right? Like, give it an offering. Don't eat me. Yeah. So 
They had told her that they had seen the creature before. It sounds like it's like, eh, yeah, sometimes it comes around. We just give it something and we're good. At another point, she said the creature lived in an abandoned warehouse next to where her family had lived. The family had seen it numerous times. When they moved, of course, the creature followed. They got its own U-Haul truck, everything. <laughs> They're just like, come on in. Here's some fish heads. Fish heads. Fish heads. <laughs> <Rolly>. <laughs> fish heads. <laughs> Fish heads, fish head, eat them up, Mothman yum. So Strickler notes on his blog that the witness doesn't want her name to be shared and that she just wants the encounters to stop. I mean, again, feels very, very fair. I think so. That would scare the hell out of me. Especially like, it's not like she's just seeing like one creature. It seems like she's seeing like one creature in many forms. And that would be more unsettling because, right, like she's seen it in these versions enough to be able to like differentiate. And that would creep me out. I also don't know if I would think that it was the same thing. I think I might be like, what is it with me and flying creatures? Like, am I giving off some type of like flying creature scent that makes them like want to be in my life? I don't know. Right, right. So, again, we keep saying Mothman sightings all over the place. We are going to talk about more modern Mothman sightings in a future episode because there is an aggregate of Mothman sightings in a particular, like, geographic range in the U.S., but they are concentrated especially in Chicago and especially in 2017. Interesting. There were dozens of them. And so Lon Strickler, who Amanda mentioned before, he brought up just how strange it is to see high volumes of cryptids generally, but also in urban areas. Because like, how often do you hear about that where it's like city be damned, right? And based on the frequency of sightings, the location of those sightings, and the differences in the way they're described, he thinks that they're three distinct creatures, which to me, I'm like, okay, it's Mothman, a pterodactyl, and the Jersey Devil, like done and done and done. <laughs> and he's visited Arizona, and we've seen him. Not in my kitchen, but while driving. The Jersey Devil, the pterodactyl, or Mothman, or Lon Strickler. I mean, Lon Strickler, <laughs> maybe. Maybe he was there too. But... He's actually from Baltimore. Is he? Yeah, he actually lived in Baltimore for like tens of years. And I was like, Dad, do you know Lon Strickler? And he's like, that name doesn't sound familiar. I'm like, he just seems like a person you would know. Because <laughs> like my dad was like, he did like sci-fi conventions and stuff or comics and stuff. So like a person who was like in that world, probably it made sense that they would have overlapped, but they didn't. Yeah, we, we totally saw him in the desert one night while driving in the middle of nowhere. Mothman? Mm -hmm. Well, tell me about it. Tell me right now. I need to know. So we were going, of course, for ghosts in Tombstone, as you do. As one does. And we got there at night and checked into our hotel. But in the evening on a weekday, like everything was closed. And so we're like, we are starving and there is nothing in town. So we're like, what's the closest open place? And it was like a Denny's the next town over. So me, my husband and my friend Ian pile up into the car again. We're heading to Denny's through the desert in the middle of the night. It's pitch black. I have a question really quick for you. Yes. Did you guys make it to Denny's? We did. Okay. Eventually, yeah. Do you have a regular order at Denny's? Um, It depends if I want breakfast or if I just want snacks. Okay. What is your breakfast order at Denny's? Moons over Miami forever. Hell yeah! That's what I was asking! <laughs> <laughs> That's the best thing on their menu. I just needed to know if you were getting a Moons Over My Hammy. And I always feel stupid ordering it. No, like, I'm like, I'll have a Moons Over My Hammy, please, and I'm proud of it. I'm just like, can I get that, please? Like, I feel like I'm an idiot. Didn't your son recently, wasn't, didn't he, like, pick a dinner place and he was like, Denny's? And, like, very passionately, like, made that decision? Yeah, yeah. Or it's normally IHOP and he calls it the Pancake Store. I love that for him. <laughs> 
can we go to the pancake store? Like, sure. It just makes me think of like a place that has like pancakes on the shelves. So do I. I don't know why he calls it the pancake store, but he's weird. I don't know. So we're driving in the middle of the desert. It's pitch black. You're on your way to get a moons over Miami. Fuck yeah, I am. (laughs) And for anyone that's driven through or between towns and like the desert, it's just like a tiny road. There's no lights. There's no nothing. And all of a sudden, this giant winged thing flies and it misses our windshield by a couple inches. And Mike like swerves a bit. And all that's happening is Ian screaming in the backseat, that's Mothman! That's Mothman! We saw Mothman! <laughs> and we like, stop. And we're like, what the hell was that? It was gigantic. I was um, talking to Mike the other day about this episode coming up. And he's like, oh, yeah, I remember when we saw Mothman? And I'm like, okay, describe what you saw. Because I just remember, you know, you're driving and it's nighttime. You don't expect to see anything. So it was like, it happened real fast. Yeah. But I just remember the wings being gigantic. It was like, you're going to love this. I would say the size of maybe half of a 12-year-old boy. <laughs> so uh, like a six-year-old or like a 12-year-old boy lengthwise? Yeah, like an Oliver size. Like I said, I, I, that's how I'm going to measure things now. Anything but the metric system. Also, if you don't know what we're talking about, go listen to our like, linear episode. <laughs> Yes, yes. It's an interesting and a fun time. Yeah, but it was horrifying because we're all like, we all saw it. And we're like, I don't know what that could have been. It wasn't an owl. We have a lot of owls. I feel like I would have known if it was an owl. I would have just been like, oh, you know, we have a lot of big birds in the desert too. But it definitely was not that. I don't know what we saw, but it was there. I don't like it, but that's scary. Oh, yeah, it was terrifying. So we're all like, we walk into Denny's like we just died a little inside. Well, I mean, for sure, for sure. But yeah, so... It travels maybe with the Blair Witch, and it came here. I don't know why. Look for ghosts, perhaps. So let's talk about what it might be. So there's a couple known animals, and kind of like what I just said. It could have been a big-ass owl, <laughs> right? It could have been, but like even the biggest owls, like I don't think are that big. That's fair. That's fair. Okay, so when I say big-ass owl, something that now I think of when I think of a big-ass animal is while you and I were in Cancun, mm-hmm. My mom was watching my son, right? So Oliver's being watched by her. And I get back and I'm picking him up and they they had colored a lot. So there's like, you know, art all over the fridge. Yeah. And one of them is labeled in giant letters, big ass turtle. (laughs) Big ass turtle. And I'm like, oh, you know, like I'm pointing. I'm like, oh, what's this? What's this? And Oliver looks at me straight in the eyes. He's like, that's a big ass turtle. (laughs) Grandparent time. And I'm like, what? What did she just say? And he's like, yeah. He calls my mom Beba. Beba said that that's a big ass turtle. And she's like, I'm so sorry. All weekend, all we've been doing is calling things big ass turtles. It's so cute. And so anytime he sees anything that's a turtle now, but he'll do it in the store. He's like, that's a big ass turtle. I'm like... (laughs) (laughs) it's less funny when it's like your child because people are looking at you like you're a terrible parent like i'm a monster like when your mom's doing it i think it's funny yeah yeah but everything's a big ass turtle so anyways so back to our big ass owl (laughs) joe nickel is an author and an investigator who works with the committee for skeptical inquiry sounds like a fun job Right? Nichols started looking into the Mothman, and he had investigated another cryptid that we'll discuss in a later episode. He thinks that Mothman is actually an owl. And when discussing how he investigates cryptids, he said, quote, I think to do this, you have to take people at their word. And... You have to take people's descriptions, right? And allow for some error and match it with a real animal in the real world. Okay, kind of. (laughs) 
I mean, like, I guess, but I mean, every animal in the world that we have named and classified was seen first by someone, right? Like, it was like, that's true. There was a first time that we saw it and went, that's not the same as other things we've seen. (laughs) It's true. It's true. So after the original sightings, a group of firemen went into the woods to see if they could find the creature that the couples had seen. While they were looking, they found a massive bird that was not identified. And around that same time, an unrelated person shot and killed a large snowy owl. And he thought perhaps that's what people were seeing. So another one is a barn owl. And a barn owl makes a sound that is a mixture of clicks and hisses. So it sounds weird. And barn owls also have low eye shine. So their eyes wouldn't be glowing red in the reflection of headlights and other lights. Okay, interesting, interesting. Also, like, have you looked at what a barn owl looks like? Yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, like if you've ever looked at what a barn owl looks like, it doesn't really match the descriptions that people are saying. No, but their babies are horrifying. If you've ever seen those videos of their babies. Oh my gosh. (laughs) I mean, they are. And they're also just like generally kind of funny looking, but like they're beautiful. But I don't think that that is what people were seeing because they're just not that big. Their wings can kind of go out a few feet, but not in this way, not this span that we're talking about. Exactly. So there's also the barred owl and they have a rounded head that blends into their body with black eyes and the sound they make is like a deep hoot and it kind of echoes. And when I'm looking at pictures of them, like when I think of what an owl looks like, this is what I'm thinking of, like standard owl. Yeah. Very cute, little tiny beak, brown and white feathers, turns its head all the way around all the things, right? And they're really common in the Southeast. And so the area where there was that initial sighting, right, in the TNT area, there's been confirmation that there are a population of barred owls that are living there. So people are like, I bet it's that type of owl. And I'm like, "Mm, that's not really the size, right? Like, they aren't the size that people talked about, right? So Nickel, he thinks that the couples who were in the car who initially reported that like have the most infamous story, he thinks that they misjudged the creature's overall size and or how far it was away from them. So on an episode of Monster Quest, Nichols and some volunteers drive down the road where those two couples were when they saw the Mothman. And he asked volunteers in the car to estimate the height of various cutouts. So he did like cutouts with bike reflector eyes and put it in different spots. And he was like, estimate the size of these and most of them weren't able to estimate the actual size because they weren't accounting for perception right of like where they were in relation so it's like maybe it was like super close and because it was super close it looked bigger and you just kind of misjudged where it was especially in the dark okay that's fair i mean it's fair but to me like it doesn't explain all of the behavior of like the watching it also doesn't explain like when people are saying i had it walk towards me right like even if there was a small owl that was a few feet tall right maybe one and a half or two feet right that walking towards you you aren't going to misjudge its size like something that's like under two feet you're not going to be like it was six feet tall exactly exactly also what it may be which i don't agree with this one like at all is a sandhill crane and to me it just looks like every other crane i've ever seen yeah but per Dr. David L. Smith, an orthonologist, which is a bird expert, the creature that was sighted was a sandhill crane. People also thought this is what the Jersey Devil was, and I don't see that either. Yeah. Sandhill cranes are not native to West Virginia. And again, like, I just think it looks like a typical crane. Like, I feel like I see them here. 
Yeah, I mean, I will say, like, I think that the sizes they can be can vary a little bit. I could see why they think they're a cryptid because they can be so tall. And that's unnerving when you don't think of birds being that big, typically. Yeah, we have them all over. I think they're everywhere, just like different breeds of them. But they just look like a, no, like a bird with really long legs and a long neck. Yeah. So the other theory is that it's a prankster and that there's no Mothman. And so some people in the area think that people have dressed up in a costume to scare people who were driving by. And several locals have told Nickel that they were the prankster, right? And to me, I'm like, but would they have glowing red eyes? I guess that you could always make a costume that does that, but it's just interesting to me. You can't jump from like two to three story buildings, though. Yeah. And you can't like fly next to a car or generally fly, right? I I mean, I hope not. Yeah. And so there's also a few other theories. The first is Dr. David Gallo's theory, and he's a psychologist from the University of Chicago. And most of his research pertains to memory and how individuals actively and somehow sometimes inaccurately reconstruct the past. And one of the things he studied is why some people are believers of the paranormal. And Dr. Gallo suggests that those that research the paranormal receive accounts from those who self-report and that those who self-report are already believers. So they're more likely to think that they've seen something. So it's kind of like what he's saying is that typically people who are reporting sightings, they aren't looking at a random sample of people and saying, have any of you seen anything weird? They're only hearing from people who have seen things weird. So it kind of like makes it seem like it's more inflated. Mm -hmm. And to me, I'm like, rather than preaching to the choir, you're researching the choir. Yeah, that's fair. I've also seen theories that it was some type of mechanical creature. And then remember early on in the episode when Amanda was talking with the TNT area and talking about like what had become of it, there was talk that there was toxic waste at the old power plant and then it mutated. Okay. So he like hulked out. Yeah. And like that seems really bizarre to me. Because I'm like, I don't know of any mutations that actually exist from toxins where you actually get bigger and stronger. Typically, it's that creatures are worse off because of it. Right. And we'll talk about it in a future episode because there's like some examples of this. But I think this is the least likely of all of them, of theories. I mean, why else would he go back to the power plant for more of his drugs? Oh, he's got to get that sweet toxic waste. Yeah, so we can go 100 miles per hour. Yeah, but the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did not need to have a steady stream of toxic waste. They needed a steady stream of the world's most delicious looking pizza. I mean, that's fair, but that was a different toxic waste. And it was a big ass turtle. Ayo. <laughs> and it was Ayo. a big ass turtle. <laughs> Perfect. So if you want to go visit the Mothman, you can <laughs> go to Point Pleasant. But if you'd rather just see like a Mothman museum, that's also there. And it was opened by Jeff Wamsley, and it opened in 2005. It's the only museum and research center for Mothman. It has everything. So like movie props, research archives, collectible items. <laughs> Including some of John Creel's like original like notes, which I thought was cool. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that is cool. They also do Mothman tours in the TNT area. 10 out of 10 would do in a heartbeat. Oh, absolutely. There's also a Mothman diner, and it's called the Harris Steakhouse. And Caroline Harris has owned the diner for 54 years, so it must be doing well. She also helped begin what is called the Mothman Festival. And Lindsay will talk about that in a second. Per Caroline, after talking to first responders and the sheriff's department, she became a believer herself. Which like, you know, like a person who theoretically shouldn't lie, right? Like, yeah, police, firemen, things like that. If they're like, this is real, it's kind of hard sometimes to be like, are you sure? Yeah, especially because they're like, you should be the people who are like debunking it. Trustworthy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so the last thing we're going to talk about today is the Mothman Festival. 
It started in 2012, as Amanda mentioned by Carolyn, but also by Jeff Wamsley, who also made the museum. They erected a 12-foot Mothman statue in 2003, and he has an ass. Like, (laughs) a notable ass. And the festival is a couple of days long and there's thousands of people who go. And what's interesting is so there's only that one hotel that we mentioned. So a lot of people, they stay further away and they kind of like shuttle into the town because it's just too small to accommodate everybody. But they have panels. They have the tour of the TNT area. There's vendors. There's like all these fun things. People dress up like Mothman. It looks like a really fun time. Ben and I were supposed to go last year and then it got canceled due to COVID and I was devastated. And then we couldn't go this year. So I'm hoping for next year because it looks like a super fun fucking time it does it does it looks really fun and just interesting and then just all the panels look like something we'd want to hear yes (laughs) it looks like a tenant like i just i'm just excited by the whole idea of it and also by talking about mothman at all like this has been on our list forever and i I was like it is time it's mothman time for our 100th episode yeah like hell yeah i would say one of the most well-known cryptids that everyone has heard something about Mothman. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, it's fun to learn about. It's fun to talk about. And if you've seen the Mothman, we want to know about it. Oh, yeah. And also, 100th episode, excellent milestone. We love it. We also have our second anniversary coming up. So we would love your listener stories. You can submit them in the link that's in our show notes. But we're looking for the scariest thing that's ever happened to you or someone you know who is fine with you telling their story. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, the last one was so much fun. We want to do something like that again. Yeah, yeah. And with that, remember, submit your spooky story. If you haven't left us a review, leave us a review. We'll send you a sticker if you send us your address. Tell us if you've seen Mothman. Tell us if you've seen Mothman. Put it everywhere. Or believe in Mothman. Oh, that's fair. Yeah. Do you believe in Mothman or at least some sort of unknown creature in that area? He believes in you. He does believe in you. (laughs) And with that, have a great weekend. Thanks for creeping with us. Thanks for listening. For more information on our sources, please visit our website, truecreeps.com. If you'd like to follow us on social media, you can follow us on Instagram at truecreepspod, on Facebook at facebook.com slash truecreepspod, and on Twitter at truecreeps. We'd love for you to keep creeping with us. So if you like this episode, please subscribe, rate, review, and share the show with your fellow creeps. They were too busy mothmanning. Eat them up, mothman yum. Moon's over Miami forever. Hell yeah! Put it in my mouth and swallow. Yeah.